2: And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got Adrian Pinozo. He is a real estate investor. He's the founder of Executive Properties Incorporated and Executive Properties Capital. He's co-founder of Vision Construction and partner at McKay Realty Network in the Ontario area. And specifically, he's
1: a, a large investor in Hamilton. That's right. Downtown Hamilton is his stomping ground. Former police from the GTA. Right. Adrian has an incredible story. Started real estate investing at 36, 10 years ago. Right. Has since retired from the police force. And I think nothing short of built an empire with 260 doors. I love this episode with Adrian. Stay tuned and find out what
2: the investment strategy is that cannot lose. Because this is, uh, and and that that's what you'll have to stick around for. Because Adrian puts it out clear and he's confident.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing too about Adrian, what what is it so exciting about this episode in my mind is he started when he was 36, just like, Almost every investor we speak to, right? It's like, hey, what does retirement look like? What's my monthly cash flow gonna look like and how can I augment that, you know, with one door, with two doors? Sure. And Adrian bought two investment properties, turnkey investment properties, with the idea that, you know, after thirty years and on the police force and retiring, he would have a little bit extra extra to put in his jeans at the end of each month right. <laughs> in retirement. And With seeing the power of real estate, basically, in those first couple years, he has created an entirely different business that is thriving. Um, Yeah, it's really, really incredible stuff. Well, he's got, what, 260 units right now in Hamilton area? 260 units, has built a lot of in-house companies to deal with his portfolio, which is is kind of mind-boggling.
2: Yeah, and so the good news is, it's not too late if you're middle-aged, but however- the even better news is if you're listening to this show and you're still in your 20s,
1: the sky's the limit. No kidding. No kidding. Because Adrian didn't know a thing about it when he was 36. And and look at him now. Yeah, it's incredible. Look at him now. So before
2: we get to that, Matt, a couple things we have to take care of. Number one is I want to actually just break down what the type of deals he's buying are in the Hamilton area. So typically he's looking at four plexes around the 700 thousand dollar range, right? And these that are distress. Significant,
1: significant rehab.
2: Yeah. So these are distressed. He's putting around one hundred and fifty dollars into them. He's using 150K. the fifty k, one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. Sorry, one hundred fifty dollars. He's just changing one, out the door handle. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but he's putting one hundred fifty k into them. Um, he's typically refinancing them for about one one or one two range. So he's using the Burr method, but then he's holding these properties. So he's refinancing, he's taking out money, um, but he's he's holding them because they will rent for typically just shy of six thousand dollars. Right. So in around that area of about fifty-six hundred to uh, six grand. So he's all in about. Eight fifty nine hundred dollars K and these properties are renting for almost $6,000 in Hamilton. Phenomenal numbers. The numbers the are numbers. pretty attractive in Hamilton. Not the numbers we're used to here in the Lower Mainland, for sure. So really phenomenal. We'll break down uh, Adrian's mindset when he's uh, looking at real estate investing. We'll also talk about his strategy and how that's changed over time, what numbers he's looking at, how he's analyzing deals, how he's monitoring markets and real estate cycles, and then, of course- of course. What is his biggest piece of advice for somebody who's getting into the real estate investing game and, and you won't want to miss that?
1: Yeah. Inspiring stuff for sure. So stay tuned for Adrian Pinozo. But before we get to Adrian, Adam, there's a few things we want to talk about. Right. One, This Vancouver commercial real estate podcast. The V-Crap. Uh, it's it's outstanding. It's it is doing outstanding.
2: <laughs> yeah, Matt. It's quickly growing. And if you haven't listened to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, uh, check it out. You can check it on iTunes or Google or wherever you. It also is on
1: vancouverrealestatepodcast.com dot com. It so does if you listen to the podcast there, starring Corey Wright. A major player in the commercial real estate world. And turns out he knows a thing or two about podcasting as well.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I've had actually a lot of people reaching out just saying that they've learned a lot just in the first three episodes. They've learned a ton about commercial real estate that they didn't know.
1: Well, what I like about Corey's approach here is he's basically doing commercial real estate 101 for the first, you know, three, five, seven episodes, however long it's going to take to kind of get. Established in how real estate investing works in the commercial world. And then he's taking off in terms of, you know, the types of things we talk about all the time, regions that are exciting, market types, trends, market trends, types of properties, uh, areas to buy, areas to monitor. Right. And so, yeah, he's in that kind of beginning stage, the takeoff stage, but uh, the feedback has been amazing. And uh, no kudos to Corey Wright with the Vancouver Commercial Real so, Estate Podcast.
2: Yeah. So, two takeaways from that start early on. Start start with episode one, if you're new to commercial real estate, but also two is if you're a seasoned commercial real estate investor, don't worry. There's going to be some real high level stuff coming and uh, it's going to be a fantastic show. I'm so excited for Corey and I'm excited for this podcast. What else do we got,
1: Matt? Well, one other thing we have before we cut to our talk with Adrian Pinozo is our sponsor this week. We are sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our brokerage here in Vancouver, the best brokerage in town, bar none. The knowledge, the resources, the community. It's a it's a fantastic place to be. So if you are a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change reinvigorate your business, head over to oakwin.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That is oakwin.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. You will not be disappointed. Meet up with Michael Morgan and the gang and get a huge incentive. Absolutely huge incentive. But without further ado,
2: how did a police officer at the age of 36 End up in a situation with 240 doors. 240 doors and uh, counting, uh, and, really,
1: and generational wealth
2: building on
1: steroids. That's that's for sure.
2: This is a great one. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Adrian Pinozo, founder of Executive Properties Incorporated, founder of Executive Properties Capital, co-founder of Vision Construction, and partner at McKay Realty Network. How you doing, Adrian?
3: I'm awesome, guys. How are you? Good, good.
1: By the sounds of things, you're busy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, we always got something on the go for sure, whether it's to do with one of those uh, companies you just mentioned. But yeah, there's always something going on in our world, but it's definitely... Uh, most of the time, it's all positive, so makes for a good day and and whatnot.
2: Good, good. So, Adrian, can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
3: Yeah, sure. So, I guess I can rewind back ten years ago. I started investing in real estate, and at that time, I was thirty-six years old. And at that time, I decided I wanted to invest in real estate while. I was still working full-time as a police officer. So I was a a police officer in the GPA, completed 21 years, and left policing in 2017. And I left policing with... uh, I got promoted through the ranks, so I left on good terms. But uh, yeah, the last 10 years of my career, again, rewinding back to that point, my thought process was, You know, I want to buy one, maybe two rental properties that generate cash flow in order for me to live the same lifestyle when I, you know, complete my 30 years on the force and essentially subsidize the pension with cash flow from a couple of rental properties that I would own and essentially have the same paycheck at the end of the month, even though I would be retired from policing. So that was my mindset. My wife and I, uh, we started with a home equity line of credit. And a lot of people struggle, or a lot of new investors potentially struggle with where the money's going to come from, you know, to do that first purchase. And it's a little overwhelming and whatnot. But we didn't have a lot of savings in the bank, you know, typical average family. But what we did have was equity in our home. So we leveraged that equity in our home. I want to say we started with like a 200K home equity line of credit that we used to purchase our first two rental properties. So that all started 10 years ago. And those two rental properties that we started with did well. They were turnkey just by the property. If I remember correctly, they even came with tenants, but it was essentially turnkey operation and we invested in multifamily. So there. I think our first one was a triplex, and then our second one was a fourplex, both in the city of Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, they went well for us, which led us to, became somewhat addictive, almost like, you know, some people really have a fascination with cars and purchasing all different kinds of cars. So we, it became kind of lucrative and addictive for us. And we ended up buying, I want to say, four rental properties under our own personal leverage before we were told from the banks that, okay, we would have to look at alternative lending options because our our debt ratios and whatnot uh, were at a peak. Anyhow, fast forward from there. So that was like, you know, the first four years of our real estate investing journey. And then from there, we started to um, build up a network of resources in our market center, if you will. And we started a joint venture with different investors who um, liked what we produced and wanted to get into business with us. So since then, when we started the joint venture, we took our portfolio from four rental properties to now owning 64 rental properties in Ontario across the GTA, which is equivalent to just over 260 units that we own in partnership with other investors, other JV partners. So quite a big, aggressive, what started out is I want to have two rental properties turned into 64. And ultimately, that enabled me to retire early from the police department. So as opposed to staying and completing my full 30 years on the job, and then collecting my full pension, I left and retired after 21 years. So it became very lucrative, and we did well. You know, things worked out well for us. You know, obviously grew this, this massive portfolio in the course of 10 years. Does that kind of touch on everything you wanted to know, or is there something a little bit deeper No, you want to No, you
1: know what? To? I was just thinking, Adrian, yeah, from two rental properties to 260 in 10 years is fairly... It's fairly aggressive by any measure. I think a lot of people out there who listen to this show that are, you know, thinking about buying a single door or potentially have one or two rental properties. One thing that would pop into their mind is how did you kind of take on and mitigate that risk of moving so quickly and developing a portfolio that large so quickly?
3: Um, yeah, good question. So, we kind of transitioned our business model from buying turnkey properties to segueing into the burr strategy the buy renovate refinance rent repeat strategy Um, looking for distressed properties and then incorporating what they call the burr strategy and ultimately extracting all of the capital that we put into the deal so What I mean by that is obviously our down payment, or typically you're putting down here in Ontario, we're putting down 20% Mm -hmm. for the down payment of the purchase price. And then obviously now focusing on distressed properties and renovating them, obviously we need some kind of a budget for renovations. So when I say extracting all of the capital, what I mean by that is taking out the down payment and getting back and extracting every single nickel of our renovations as well which allowed us working with different investors allowed us to continue to build and circulate that capital i like to say rinse and repeat rinse and repeat that capital to the next project to the next project and so on and so forth as far as risk goes i don't know i guess maybe the only negative side about what i've done is We have all our eggs in one basket. I heavily invest in real estate. And for me, my comfort level with real estate is at an ultimate high because at the end of the day, we're buying bricks and mortar. And we're long-term hold kind of investors where we're thinking more generational wealth, long-term wealth, where even if the market does fluctuate and we see a 5% correction or whatnot, um, we still have our cash flow every single one of our properties cash flows we still have debt pay down you know from the tenants that are you know paying down our principal on our mortgage and quite frankly I think you know again all my eggs in one basket in real estate I think real estate is one of the safest avenues to invest your money because at the end of the day you- even if there is a slight correction, you still have that asset. You still have that bricks and mortar. It's not going anywhere. Like you invest in the stock market and that stock goes belly up the money's gone, sort of speak. So I'm very comfortable with a long-term play in real estate. And in my opinion, you know, it's not so much timing the market, but time in the market. And if you're in for the long haul, I, I really don't think you can lose.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we won't bring up Matt's crypto portfolio because uh, the <laughs> wound is a huge still a <laughs> mistake. The wound is still painful. All um, oh, right, right. So, yeah. what do you see Adrian as the biggest risk or biggest threat to your portfolio or do you see any risk?
3: The only risk per se would be again with a market correction. Obviously, we're at an all-time high right now with prices here in our little market center that we deal with. We're at an ultimate high. But if there is, like I suggested before, with a correction in that market, typically our properties cash flow anywhere between a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month each. So there's a considerable cushion. Even if interest rates were to go up, we still have anywhere, like I said, a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month positive cash flow that acts as a cushion for us. So I don't really see that as a risk. And at the end of the day, like I said, ultimately, even if there's a correction, we still have that cash flow. The tenants are still paying down our debt and we still have the asset. And again, long term, it's almost like some of the properties we own, we forget we own them. It's just they've been in our portfolio for the last 10 years. We haven't sold anything. You almost forget you have it. And next thing you know, it's like, wow, we paid you remember when we bought that second house, we only paid 250000 and now it's worth seven hundred. To me, that, that's incredible what real estate can do for you through passive appreciation and, and long-term holds. It's a no-brainer in my opinion. Right. So no, I'm overly comfortable. I don't personally see a lot of risks given the fact that we have the cash flow, we have the debt pay down and working with us and our professional companies that we have under our roof. Again, you mentioned we have the property management company in place that services all of our properties and our, our JV properties. And then ultimately, we also have the construction company that we own under our roof as well that facilitates all of the renovations on all of our properties that we buy trust and then ultimately refinance and extract our capital. So I like to look at myself as... Obviously, you know, knowledgeable in the industry with respect to multifamily investing, but then having being able to deliver the kind of results that our JV partners are have come used to getting as far as being able to extract the majority of the capital we put in and on the deal with the refinance.
2: Can we talk a little bit about what rules kind of guide your
1: investing? And like to you, what makes a good deal? What's something you'll buy? And just as as an aside for context, all of your properties are in Hamilton, if I understand correctly?
3: Correct, yeah. Okay. The majority of them, yeah. I want to say 95% are in Hamilton. And then we have some in Toronto and we have some in New York region. But the majority are Hamilton-based.
2: right. Can we talk a little bit about, so Hamilton's a very different market than Vancouver, but I know, um, and and actually a lot of our, the investors that we've had that have been able to scale quite successfully, a lot of them are in Ontario in the markets, um, kind of uh, uh, outside of maybe the peripheral markets, I guess you could say outside of Toronto um, or the GTA can Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of the rules that kind of guide your investment strategy and what to you makes a good deal, something you'll want to buy?
3: Yeah, for sure, so kind of going backwards a little bit here, I keep going back to my go to and that's the burr strategy. so I'm doing nothing else right now but burrs, and what makes a great strategy for me is the burr, and what makes it is we analyze the deal such as okay we're going to buy it for this much we're going to pump in x amount to renovate and after those renovations are finished what's this property going to be worth and ultimately if we cannot extract all of the capital if not close to all of the capital we put in we don't do the deal we're not leaving i guess our model is we're not leaving money in properties We're money in, money out in six to eight months. We're refinancing that property and we're taking, we're extracting that capital. And again, there's nothing wrong with it, but we don't really buy turnkey properties anymore. We buy properties that they have the potential to lift and obviously force appreciation through great renovations, allowing us to take our money out. Ultimately, we're not looking to leave a nickel in this property.
1: And does neighborhood does neighborhood Adrian play into that, or are you like are you focused on specific neighborhoods? Do you like specific neighborhoods in Hamilton, uh, or is it specifically where you see the value add on that individual property?
3: For the most part, we're right in the downtown core. We're right in the downtown core of Hamilton. That's really our playing ground, and predominantly, like I said, most. Pretty much 99% of our investments are in the multifamily world. We're not buying single-family homes. We're not buying condos, anything like that. You know, typically it's a triplex and bigger, where we're either three units, four units. You know, we've done several, we've actually been involved in several apartment building refinances or BRRRR projects where we just completed a 12-unit purpose-built, apartment building, where we, we joint ventured on that with, um, with a client. And ultimately, uh, we now own a $3 million apartment building with not a nickel of our money in the property, not a penny, actually. So that's kind of what we focus on. And obviously, we're yielding. I mean, if you don't have a nickel left in the deal, and you're still cash flowing, essentially, it's infinite return on your money because you don't have any money left on the deal. So that's our business model. We're generating those kind of results, yielding, you know, bare ass minimum, 90% ROI up to infinite ROI because we're extracting every single nickel we put in. So to answer your question, downtown core is our playing ground and multifamily investing is our strengths.
2: Adrian, why... um why did you settle on multifamily? Can you unpack that? Like, why is it this product type where you, where you spend most of your investment time?
3: Cash flow. Historically, I've done research and I've, done, I've talked to many, many different other investors. And it really just comes down to cash flow and it's simple math. Typically, and now every deal is different, as you guys would know, every deal gets analyzed and the numbers don't lie. But typically you know a four unit multifamily property is going to cash flow and produce that kind of cash flow over a single condo. I mean by the time you pay your mortgage and your condo fees and all that stuff, if you're breaking even you're doing pretty good from what I understand. Whereas us on a four unit property, you know like I said, we're anywhere between 1100 and 1500 a month cash flow. To us, we want that cash flow above and beyond being able to extract uh, and create amazing returns for ourselves and our joint venture partners. So to answer your question, cash flow.
2: How do you go about finding deals?
3: So we have a real estate company like we talked about, um, McKay Realty Network, that we have, I think we're up to 14 people on our team that um, we door knock, we cold call, got a very solid reputation in the Hamilton market with other realtors and just investors themselves that you know bring us quite often uh, pretty attractive off-market deals that never really see, you know, never really get listed. The deals are all done behind the table, so we have that. And then, based on our expertise on analyzing deals, there's deals on the market that people just don't think the numbers were good. Meanwhile, we run our numbers and we're like. Why has this been on the market 45 days? Like these numbers, by our analysis, this is a great deal. We can make this work. And, you know, we bring in our team and we we execute. So both on-market and off-market leads is what we work on.
2: Can you talk a little bit about running the numbers? And I mean, that's the biggest thing, I think, for a lot of people that are approaching uh, real estate investing and trying to use the Burr method. How do you approach it? So are you looking at renovated properties in the area and what the valuation of those are and then versus what your costs are in to get there? Or how, how do you work the math?
3: Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Essentially, I, I can start back. It's 10 years in the making. Of, I've probably been involved over the course of the last several years, over 35 to 40 burrs. And it's just experience also, obviously, getting good at what you're doing and and being involved in it on a daily basis. But yes, obviously the million dollar questions are, if I buy this property at X amount, how much of the reno is gonna be? And if I put in X amount in renovations, ultimately, what's the end of the rainbow? What's this property gonna be refinancing for? And because we're doing this on a high level, we're essentially refinancing a project once every max, max, once every two months, because we have several projects on the go. So every two months we're refinancing a project and we use that data to work with our next project. So we know, okay, we just finished 123 Smith Street, that came back at X amount on the refi and appraisal after repair value. So now we have that fresh data that we can put towards and use towards our knowledge for the next project. But, and then obviously being realtors ourselves, as well as investors, we're on the market every day. So we're seeing what's selling, we're seeing comps, you know, we're seeing everything that the typical person would ultimately have access to, but not at the same speed we would have access to that information. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, a ton of experience goes behind it. And then being able to know what's this going to refinance for at the end of the rainbow after we do all this work and put in all this money is, is an art in itself. And it just comes with experience. It's not impossible to learn, but it, you got to be in that space, you know, on a regular basis to have your numbers tight and be able to deliver the kind of returns we're delivering.
1: And Adrian, thinking back to when you started out, so you had a couple properties. As I understand, you moved to the the Burr method. I'm thinking for listeners who are potentially considering this as an option, but you know, maybe have a full time job, don't have a construction background, you know, are potentially in the process of trying to build a team. Can you talk about the early? Burr projects, what that looked like, maybe some of the mistakes made along the way to get to where you're running kind of a, a well-oiled machine.
3: Yeah. So the construction component, when I first started burring projects was always a challenge and mainly because, you know, everybody has a bad story about a general contractor or most people do. And if you don't have a strong network of people around you, What do you do? You either go on Kijiji and hire people or, you know, you talk to a friend of a friend of a friend who ends up dropping a name and a phone number. And then you call the guy and, you know, obviously make a contract or a deal with him. But that whole segment of the burr can really make or break your project. And some of the challenges I faced when I started was I didn't have a strong power team around me. And, you know, here I am in a brand new city buying rental properties and then starting a segue into Burrs. And I didn't really have a go-to contractor, but I just thought, you know, how hard can it be? I'm just going to hire them, talk to people, hire somebody, do a contract. And you know, that's it. But often more often than not, obviously general contractors are super busy. They make a bunch of promises. They're either late in delivering what they say they're going to do or they're way over budget. Or they take your money and run and then come back in six months and say, Hey, I need some more money before I can finish the project. Meanwhile, they haven't been there in six months. So I got several horror stories that, you know, I lost some money from getting ripped off. So that's kind of what segued us to saying, you know what, enough. We do enough projects a year that we can have our own team in house team that I don't have to worry about, you know, the guys that show up for a week and disappear for three weeks or, or can't appreciate someone's time and money and, and all these other horror stories that arise from that. So that led me to starting our own construction company and keeping it in-house. So now we can deliver that peace of mind that, hey, these are our people. They're on our payroll. They only work on our projects. And that whole construction component is now safe and sound sort of speak. So I would caution everybody when you get started, you know, one, either you're going to JV partner with somebody who knows what they're doing or two, if you have the time and the contacts to do it on your own, be careful with the construction because that can make and break your project for sure. And then ultimately the numbers, as you say, the numbers are super, super important because ultimately the whole concept of the burr is to try to get out as much of that money you put in the project. If you're going to leave a ton of money in your project, you might as well just bought a turnkey mm-hmm. as opposed to going through all these construction and contractors and permits and city officials and on and on and on. If you're going to leave 150 grand in a property, then you might as well have bought that just turnkey, save yourself the headache and the time and, and buy a turnkey. So if you're burying, you want to get your money out of that deal. Does that make sense?
2: That makes sense, yeah, for sure. Adrian, do you monitor market cycles, and do they have any kind of an impact on whether or not you buy?
3: Yes, we're monitoring cycles all the time. Like I mentioned, obviously being realtors, we're seeing what's happening in the market and things that are changing daily. And we're up to speed on that because we're just we're in that space every day. Will that affect whether I buy or not? Again, back to the numbers. It really just depends. Like we know prices, obviously, in your jurisdiction are much, much higher than ours. But, you know, just in our jurisdiction alone, since COVID, you know, prices are up about hundred to 125,000 since COVID started right. on a simple triplex. Does that affect us whether we're going to buy or not? No, because my analysis, if the numbers still work, then we pull the trigger and buy. And again, I can't stress enough, we're more, more of a mindset of long-term investing. Long-term holds generational wealth. So when you have that kind of mindset, and it's not just a straight flip, you don't have to worry about if there's a slight correction. And now I was planning on making 80 grand on this flip, but now the market turned and now I'm only going to make 10 grand. And this really wasn't worth all my time. It really doesn't matter to us. Because we're long-term hold, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Wait, well, you know, thinking Adrian about what you've accomplished in the last decade, uh, are you involved in an in investor network? I know now that you have, of course, McKay Realty Network and Executive Properties, and you know you've you've basically built up large teams of like-minded individuals. But I'm thinking from kind of the early days to the first joint ventures that you went into, um, like where are you meeting partners, people that are willing to invest with you, uh, people that are more experienced than you, that you're, that presumably you're investing with in the early days or partnering up on, how are you developing those networks?
3: So joint venture relationships, we're developing a lot of them through word of mouth. Like my investors are talking to friends and family and saying, you know, Hey, I connected with Adrian and his team. We just finished this burr. I now own this $1.1 million home with none of my own money in it. You know, it was a great success and so on and so forth. So word of mouth and referrals is definitely our bread and butter. Repeat business. A lot of times if we're JVing with somebody and we deliver exactly what we say we are, obviously money in, money out. Here's your money back. Now you own the property. Now we're cash flowing, so on and so forth. Most of the time it's rinse and repeat. They're like, wow, that was amazing. Okay, let's do it again. And let's do it again. And then obviously that whole uh, referrals come from that as well. We do attend, well, obviously pre COVID networking seminars with other like-minded investors. We do monthly webinars. Our company's putting on lately where we're preaching and educating people on how successful you can still be with the BRRRR strategy in our jurisdiction. And usually, those webinars every month or every month and a half we're putting on and we have a lot of new, I guess, potential clients or just networking with other investors as well through that angle. For the most part, I want to say that's it. The business really kind of took off for us three years ago when I left the police department and really just focused on on our business model and producing those results for people. And, you know, word travels pretty fast. And, you know, more often than not, we just get emails or calls from different investors saying, hey, I spoke, you just did a project with my friend, you know, David. And, you know, we're definitely interested in talking a little bit more about your business model and how we can get involved. And ultimately, the idea of getting your money, putting your money in and getting your money out and owning a property with not a penny in it is pretty attractive to people. So news news travels pretty quick in, in that regard.
1: And how much are with your partners are they putting into these projects typically? I guess it would depend, but uh, generally speaking.
3: So on the residential platform, because as I mentioned, we're getting involved obviously in purpose-built apartment buildings, you know, 10, 12, 20 units. But on residential stuff, four units and under, um, here's residential, they would typically have access to 300000 bare minimum. And that would cover the down payment and the renovations for the project. Price point, so we're buying a distressed, let's say, four-unit property for self-contained apartments. Um, nowadays, in our area, we're paying anywhere between 700 and 750 So then, obviously, 20% down on a $7, 750 acquisition, you know, give or take, there's one hundred and sixty grand just on the down payment. Mm-hmm. And now we have to renovate for kitchens, for bathrooms, flooring, lighting, plumbing, roof, windows, doors, trim. So it, it creeps up there pretty quick. I know 300 is a lot of money and it sounds like a lot of money, but that's where really the money's going. Mm-hmm. And then obviously on the commercial aspect, if we're buying a 12 unit apartment building, one can appreciate, obviously renovating 12 units is going to cost more than renovating three units and so on. So, commercial platform, if we're buying a 12-unit apartment building, we typically look for investors that have access to 600000 Right, And again, that covers the down payment and the rentals and the holding and carrying costs, so on and so forth.
2: So Adrian, what is one piece of advice that you'd give every real estate investor or even an aspiring real estate investor?
3: Whether you decide to work with the BRRRR strategy or you buy turnkey, if I would give you any advice, I would say put your money in real estate, invest in real estate and forget about it. Just leave the property alone, let it passively appreciate. Obviously upkeep the property so it doesn't fall apart and the value sustains itself. But I can't stress enough, long-term hold, you can't lose. And you will begin to create wealth by leaving and investing in real estate, leaving your money and investing in real estate. Whether you buy a condo, I mean, if your preference is single-family homes or your preference is condo, as long as you're investing in real estate, in my opinion, you're doing really, really good. And just let your money sit there and grow.
1: Great advice. Adrian, maybe as a, as a final question here, at least in my mind, thinking about your career's 21 years of policing, you get into real estate almost with the idea, as so many people do, right? Create a little cash flow, help with retirement. you know you're probably thinking sitting on a beach, sitting at a cabin. this is gonna be great now you're running four or five different businesses <laughs> uh, It doesn't sound like there's a lot of beach time here you're you're growing exponentially. How does mindset play a role in your in your investing strategy, and did you ever? think this is where you would have been 10 years ago?
3: Never in my wildest dreams uh, did I be where I am today, 10 years ago. And my mindset, and I think honestly, yeah, I think the police department potentially played a role in that given, you know, I wasn't scared to step outside of my comfort zone and, you know, with a lot of people that I talk to and, and try to get them involved in real estate and, and mindset, you grow when you step outside of your comfort zone. That's when you grow and that's when you create those opportunities for yourself. And you know, the the two biggest times I stepped outside of my comfort zone was obviously the purchase it's always so intimidating, your very first income property you buy, it's like, Oh, God, what am I doing? And you leverage your house to buy that first property. And it's intimidating. So that was the first time I stepped out of my comfort zone. And then on top of that, buying a property in a city, I didn't even know north, south, east and west, I wasn't from Hamilton. I'd never really been to Hamilton. But I heard so many good things about returns and the cash flow you can get from Hamilton. So I stepped outside of that comfort zone. And the second time was, you know, I left a $140,000 career, benefits, pension, the whole nine yards. And I left that stable, secure job to essentially be an entrepreneur and continue to try and grow this business. And ultimately, I was successful. But the mindset was, I'm unstoppable and I'm going to have that mindset and I'm going to persevere. And I look back now and people say, oh, you're really lucky. You're really lucky you have what you have. But I think ultimately I created that luck because I stepped outside of my comfort zone when things weren't exactly, you know, typical, Uh, that's too intimidating for me. I, I went in that direction And maybe that I got that mindset a little bit from being a police officer and and not being intimidated by, you know, different things that you face as a police officer. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. You know what we've had, this reminds me of a past police officer who was on the show and I can't remember when this was, but his point was when you're, you know, you spend your day running into situations that everybody else wants to run away from, Exactly. certain things don't look that scary in, in terms of investing in real estate.
3: Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I think that typically as a cop, you're running to the stuff that people are running away from and you're really uncomfortable as you're running to that space. But then after you overcome that and see that, okay yeah, I I can do this and I'm going to give it 110%. Have I made mistakes? Yes. Has it always been clear sailing in a rainbow? No. But again, long-term holds in real estate will outweigh a couple of the mistakes that I made, you know, in this growing process. So I can't stress enough. Step outside of your comfort zone. If you're on the fence and you've been talking about maybe pulling the trigger, And you haven't pulled the trigger because it's too intimidating or it's like, what if this happens or that happens? Step outside your comfort zone and just do it. Create that for your, create that luck for yourself. But you know how they say, you know, you can't score unless you're on the ice. You got to do it. So I think that's really the point I wanted to get across is just, if you're on that fence, you just got to do it and move forward with it. Because ultimately, I think I'm a prime example you're not going to regret it, and long-term real estate hold will produce incredible wealth for you and your family.
2: Well, well, maybe we'll leave it there, Adrian, but we have three quick questions to end the show. Can you stick around for those? Yeah. So first question is, what is a book you'd recommend everybody read?
3: I uh, am a huge, huge fan of Grant Cardone. Nice. So I really like his book. I've probably read it three times. But uh, Be Obsessed or Be Average uh, by Grant Cardone. Good read. And that really talks about mindset. If you you need some encouragement and mindset, I would strongly recommend you read that book.
1: Right on. One piece of advice you would give your 18-year-old self?
3: Get a credit card. Start building credit. Because most 18-year-olds don't have any credit. Like, I look at my daughter, and she's my daughter's 20 years old. She doesn't have a lot of credit. But one, I'm starting to get her in that space now where let's get you a couple credit cards. I want you to be responsible. Start building some credit. And as soon as you can scrape enough money to get a down payment on your first rental property, just buy it. Just do it. And get yourself started in real estate. I started at 36. I mean, had I started at 26, like you said at the start of the show, I'd probably be on a beach somewhere right now, <laughs> um, you know, enjoying the Caribbean. But the earlier you start investing in real estate, in my opinion, you're going to be set for life.
2: Something you've purchased for under $1,000 has changed your life recently.
3: Um, have you ever heard of Apollo? No, no. A-P-O-L-L-O. It's essentially a wellness bracelet, or you can put it on your ankle. Sends different um, frequency vibrations throughout your body and your nervous system. And essentially it helps you manage... I didn't believe it would work until I actually tried it. But you put it on your wrist or your ankle and you charge the machine and then it, it controls through an app on your phone... And it sends a little, I'll call it electrodes, but it's probably the wrong word, to your nervous system that helps you manage um, sleep, helps promote sleep, increases energy, it helps with stress, stuff like that, all through these electrodes that are going through your body through this device that's controlled by an app on your phone. Again, it's called Apollo, A-P-O-L-L-O. Definitely, I, just the years and years of shift work. Being a police officer, my sleep patterns are horrible right. from all the shift work that I did over the course of 21 years. So I find for me, but it definitely does relax me and helps me have a better sleep. So it has changed my sleeping pattern, and sleep is so important for, I guess, your overall mood in the morning when you wake up and for other things, obviously. But yeah, it's definitely... Helped change my life recently.
1: Wow, that's an interesting one. Never had yeah, that. Yeah,
3: Google it if you can.
1: I think Adam just um, bought it on Amazon. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, th- I, I think, think this answers four- why Adrian can uh, pull the trigger so quickly. I was going to say. It, it- Maybe.
3: <laughs> I actually got it from a gift from a client, from a JV partner who purchased it for me as a gift for a thank you for having such a successful project that we in- we embarked on together. But back to the point uh yeah look it up online it does work they're about 400 bucks but uh, yeah it's changed my life with respect to my you know controlling some stress and uh, my sleeping patterns
1: wow that's a great one yeah no kidding well, maybe as a final thought, Adrian, listening to your story here and looking at your accomplishments over the last 10 years, it's hard to imagine anyone, although it sounds like it does happen, saying that you're just lucky. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like uh, right, uh, right. there's been, um, yeah, acting with purpose every day <laughs> over a decade. That's for sure. How can people find out more about what you're doing over in Hamilton?
3: Ah, uh, So, yeah, they can uh, shoot me an email, Executive Properties. At Rogers.com. We have a website, www.investwithepc.com. And we're all over social media. People were just put in my name, obviously, Adrian Panozo. We're all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, where we post several things about some of the projects we have upcoming, some of the projects we've just completed. And how the numbers played out for us. So, yeah, very, very reachable for sure.
2: Excellent. Well, well, we'll leave it there, but thank you so much for your time today, Adrian.
3: All right. Awesome, guys. I appreciate uh, your time as well, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day.
1: So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Adrian Pinozo, founder of Executive Properties Incorporated, founder of Executive Properties Capital, co-founder of Vision Construction, partner at McKay Realty Network, and all around a really bright, good guy. Bright,
2: good guy. I still feel like Adrian, if he wanted to, could beat up the Scalina brothers at the same time.
1: <laughs> never never laid eyes on him, but I felt like he could have snapped my neck. Yeah. Through the phone almost. Through the phone. <laughs> but very nice guy. Yeah. I mean, it's funny... Um, you can see why he's so successful. He's kind of a, a, a no BS type guy. Right. Uh, tells it like it is, gets the work done. Um, uh, I also love the comment about the, a lot
2: of people say, wow, you got lucky, right? Is that generally what like happens I, with, the, with real estate, right? Yeah.
1: I feel like though, honestly, when he said that it took me aback to the point where I was thinking, okay, who in his life is saying that? I think that's gotta be in his head. No, you nobody know, Nobody looks at that guy and goes, man. Couple lucky strokes. <laughs> well, you know what's funny though
2: is he, like you, you get this a lot. And I remember one of my early mentors for real estate investing used to say when he was buying property. Sure, he was buying them for two, three hundred thousand dollars. That was terrifying. At the time, right? But now people say to them, "Oh yeah, well, it was easy. Oh for yeah you. it was easy for you and uh, how you know, everyone would have been doing it. Not, not everybody was doing it. That no. was a lot of money in that time. And so absolutely, it's terrifying pulling the trigger. That's one of the reasons people don't end up becoming successful in real estate. Well, that's exactly it, and that speaks to Adrian's piece of advice. Get started. Get started. Um, really enjoyed that conversation, Matt. What else do
1: we have for the day? What else do we have for the day, Adam? Well, we have com. Head over to Vancouver real estate Podcast.com where all things real estate related live. We have the LiveWire. Now, the LiveWire recently, Adam, there's a couple of new additions. One, we have a couple of pre-sale projects where we have VIP access, including, right. and this is due to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast, a project in Langford, Industrial light, industrial space, very exciting stuff. That is all on the live wire. We got deal of the month. We have episodes, stats before anyone else gets them. This is a list you want to be on. There's no doubt about it. No obligation. No cost. We also have private client services. Because Matt, if you are not
2: using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free at your fingertips. It's on our site, Vancouver Real Estate And I will say PCS has just done a massive facelift. It's an even better resource just for looking for real estate. More user friendly, I'd say. Yeah, and
1: prettier. Definitely prettier. There's yeah, no doubt sure. about that. But with the same great information. So that's at Vancouver Real If you want to talk about that or anything else real estate related, give me a call at seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or Matt at Vancouver Real Or you can try me at seven seven eight eight six six four five seven four or Adam at Vancouver
2: Real We also got that secret line info at Vancouver Real Have a great week, guys, and uh, next week we'll be back with another great episode. That's
1: right. Have a good week.